Welcome to the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Hagen, a nutrition coach, entrepreneur, food freedom expert, and forever a recovering disordered eater. I am here to help you own your enoughness, find your very own food freedom, and achieve your health and wellness goals in a way that gives more than it takes. Each week, I will provide you with insight and inspiration surrounding no-nonsense nutrition, mindset, motivation, body image, confidence, and other wellness wisdom. Welcome back to the show, my friend. If you have been tuning in recently, you know that we have just wrapped up our four-part series talking all about our diet-free fat loss formula. So if you missed that, please go back, make sure you tune into our no-nonsense nutrition education that we have shared with you throughout those episodes to ensure that you know how to confidently create sustainable fat loss. But today, we are going to take things in a slightly different direction. I have invited co-coach Lauren to join me. Hey, Lauren. Hello, everyone. Because we're going to discuss non-food-related activities that we do to stay on track. And when I say stay on track, I want to be clear that we're not just talking about fat loss per se. All of these things can be wildly helpful if you do have a fat loss goal, but we're talking about staying on track with feeling good, healthy eating habits, good self-care practices. And we talk a lot about nutrition and exercise, rightfully so, because those are two really big players in this formula. However, they're not the only players. So I have asked Lauren to think up some of the things that she does on a daily basis that do not pertain to what or how much she eats. And I've done the same. And we're going to share those with you. So Lauren, kick us off. What is one of the things that you do that has absolutely nothing to do with food that helps you to stay on track with living in a healthy, happy body? The number one tip I have for people, and I might've said this before on the podcast, is sleep and prioritizing my sleep. And for me, that means a really consistent bedtime. I am an early to bed, early to rise person. I'm usually in bed somewhere as early as 8.30 to around 9.30 is like late for me so that I can get up early, get a workout in um, and still get at least seven hours in, try to get closer to seven and a half, eight. So that for me is such a non-negotiable. It gives me energy to get through the day. It keeps cravings at bay. That's the first thing I notice when I'm low on sleep is my cravings are through the roof for like sugary carbs. So If I can get enough sleep, I know I'm going to be able to get through a good workout. I know I'm going to take my dog for a walk and I know I'm going to have an easier time choosing those foods that leave me feeling my best and keep being my energy up throughout the day. Same. I read this as like the first action step on your list. And I was like, yes, period. Nothing to add to this. Just like highlight, highlight, highlight. Because I am a baby grandma and almost always in bed by like 9 p.m. And I mean, like going to sleep at 9 p.m., 9.30, the latest. Mm -hmm. And I own that because like you said, without quality sleep and without enough sleep, I am a disaster. And what all the things you mentioned, Lauren, so I don't have great energy. My food cravings and my hunger cravings are just so much higher and less regulated. I also don't ever feel like working out because I am not well rested. I didn't recover effectively. And also one of the things that I have noticed is my mindset is just so much more negative 
when I don't get sleep, it's harder for me to notice progress. I am so much more critical of myself and it's, that's not a win for anybody. So sleep hands down one of my non-negotiables. I agree completely. Yes. I mean, it's, I don't think people understand how important it really is in everything else. It really is. It's kind of like your anchor of all your other habits. Start with good sleep. Actually, it's funny that you mentioned that because I recently shared on my social media stories that my husband and I are starting the process of adoption. And I said, hey, for parents out there, what is the number one thing that we should do before we become parents? Like, what should we be doing now? Tell us. And sleep was the most popular, most frequently shared response. So I was like, all right, babe, we're brunching down on that bedtime. Let's get that sleep in. That is whenever I talk about sleep, like on Instagram or anything like that, I try to add that kind of like disclaimer. Like if you are a new parent or a parent of, you know, a kid that isn't a good sleeper, like my heart goes out to you. That's so hard. And you can only do the best you can do just like with anything else. Like right now. Yeah. Your sleep probably isn't super high quality. You're probably a little sleep deprived. Just do the best you can in that situation know that it's like a season of life and it will pass. You will sleep again. <laughs> I, my kids are older now. Like my youngest is five. So you will sleep again. I promise. <laughs> That's actually a really good disclaimer. And I think yes. that stands for everything we're going to cover. Like do the best you can given your circumstances. Our circumstances might look different from yours listening. And that's okay. This is not to say like, we're doing everything right. And you should try to do exactly what we're doing. We're just trying to share with you what works for us with maybe the anticipation that it might also help you. So sleep is number one. What is number two for you, Lauren? Number two, and this is something I've like tweaked over the years, um, but I find that journaling in the morning and just kind of like getting some thoughts down on paper, pen to paper is really helpful for me for like setting the tone for my day. So the number one question that I like to like ask myself as I'm journaling is how can I show up as my highest self for the day? And that generally is going to, for me, look at two kind of main priorities in my life. And that first one is taking care of my health. Am I going to make, you know, choices with my food that leave me feeling high energy, that leave me feeling good, that leave me, my stomach feeling good? And am I going to do my best with parenting? Parenting is another big one for me. So I like to kind of write that down. How can I show up as my highest self for the day? And then I also like to write out a few other like, goals for the day or just like a quick little to-do list so that I have an idea of where my day is going to go and what it's going to look like so I can best prioritize my time or like manage my time. Hmm. I love that. It definitely sounds like it's a really intentional action that you're taking to start the day on a positive foot, like a very, a very intentional foot. Yes, exactly. And I also want to say it takes me like five minutes maybe 10, like maybe if I feel like I have a lot to like, kind of like get out of my brain, but it is not some big long, I'm not like lighting candles and like setting I'm just have my journal. I sit down on the couch, I write out some thoughts and then I get up and get going. Like it's, it just kind of grounds me for the day and gives me like a sense of direction for the day and how I can do my best each day. I actually love that you said that because I think there's this trend that I'm seeing for what we might deem as successful entrepreneurs, business owners, coaches out there. And they're like, well, here's my beautiful morning routine. And I start by lighting some candles and 
and incense. And then I put my Zen music on and I'm sitting in front of my, my ceiling to floor window. And I'm, and that's wonderful, right? Like no hate to people who want to start their morning off like that. My morning routine, if I want to call it that is very, very simple. And it really just includes eating a well-balanced breakfast, not checking my phone for texts or emails or scrolling first thing in the morning and having some quiet time, whether that's reading a book or it's going for a walk with Wesley, or it's just literally sitting there like enjoying the sounds of the morning and doing nothing. So I think all of that to say, find what helps you feel grounded in the morning. And perhaps it's journaling, perhaps it's making time for breakfast rather than grabbing it and running out the door. Maybe it's not checking your inbox first thing when your eyeballs open up and do what works for you. I don't think there has to be some sort of magical formula. I think that's a really important point to make because I think social media can, you know, you look at some of these like influencers, like you said, are just having these like gorgeous hour-long morning routines and sure that looks amazing, but like, that's not realistic for me. I have three kids to get out the door to go to school. Like I don't have the time to spend an hour every morning to myself. So I make it work for myself, just like I said, with sleep. And that like, it really, truly that works for me. And just having those five to 10 minutes is, is so helpful to set the tone for my day. Yes. Yes. I agree with that completely. I think also for someone like myself, so I am a huge advocate of journaling, but to put a little different spin on this about six months ago, my therapist challenged me to take a journaling hiatus which might sound really strange because my therapist is very pro journaling and self-introspection. But for someone like myself who tends to be very type A overthinking perfectionist, sometimes journaling can just be another checklist and it can be to a detriment because I'm tracking too many things in my journal. And so then it gets my brain kind of churning a little before I'm ready. Like I just need to take some time to chill and be still and do less, do nothing. And then I can start, you know, to check off that list. So that's not to say that I will never return to journaling, but right now my mornings don't include journaling, which is different than what mornings in the past have looked like. So find what works for you and yeah, give yourself a little bit more of what you need. If you need a structured list, so you have a good idea of what's coming throughout the day, do that. But if you need some stillness before you're getting your kids out the door, before your day is complete shit show, then do that too. Like that's totally fine. That reminds me of something else that I put on my list. And I like to do like a consistency check-in like every night, or sometimes I do it in the morning if I forgot to do it at night. And in the past, I have added like a thousand things to this consistency. And then it's just like, okay, I have to do this today. I have to do this today. And it becomes much more about just checking off those boxes as opposed to doing the activity or whatever it is for my like self-care and my health. And so I have narrowed that down so much to include just a couple of things that I feel like are really valuable to add to my day. And then if other things get done, fantastic, but I want to be able to do them because they actually leave me feeling good. Um, rather than just that's another check mark to make. And yes. I, I mean, for me, like that little bit of accountability at night, or like I said, in the morning, sometimes I really like, but I had to make it work for me and kind of tweak it a little bit as I went along. I wrote something super similar. So you said you do yours at night most of the time and I do mine in the morning most of the time. And it's a three item checklist. That's it. Like a hard stop at three. And this is actually something a former coach taught me. 
he said, give yourself three tasks and I want one to be like future oriented tasks. So what do I need to do today to become the version of myself I want to be? And then the others may be more like maintenance level tasks, like what needs done today so that I can check off the boxes. And he said, nothing else that could potentially pop up takes your time or your energy away until these three things are done. Because you already established before the day's craziness began that these three things were most important. Now, barring an emergency, anything else that pops up just gets put to the back of the list or put on the back burner until you get these things done. So it eliminates a lot of overwhelm and a lot of decision fatigue because I start my day with a more clear purpose surrounding, oh yeah, this needs done first. And I know that so-and-so just sent me an email, but you know what? It can wait until I finish off these three things. So I really love like a quick checklist like that, that doesn't cause you to get more overwhelmed because you have 10,000 things on the list, but it just helps you to stay really purposeful. And I like what you said about like having that hard limit at three, because I think that teaches us how to like give ourselves some grace and compassion when we don't get 500 things done in a day. Like, that's fine. Did you get those three things done? Perfect. Then you were on track and that's all you really need to care about right now. You got those three like prioritized tasks done. And I, I think it teaches you to slow down a bit throughout the day and focus more on like, just how are you feeling? Checking in with yourself. Do you have the time and energy and mental energy to complete four or five or six tasks or are those three tasks good for the day? And sometimes good enough is good enough. Amen to that. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> as a visual learner, while you were saying that, I was thinking about how easy it is as a human. When you have this to-do list of a thousand things, oftentimes our brain goes, wow, those big things are so overwhelming this list size is so overwhelming. What's something I can just do that's easy? So we pick off something that needs done, but maybe it's not a big mover in the, the big scheme of things, the big picture. So if we think about a cup that has little tiny pebbles and then maybe three big rocks, if we keep picking the pebbles out, the cup volume is not going to change that much, right? But if I focus on those big rocks, and I remove one of those from my list. Well, now the, the whole cup changes because all of the little pebbles are shifting and it feels so much less overwhelming because it looks like I have less to do because I actually do. I took care of the biggest things. So that's been really helpful for me to understand is like the goal is not to get everything done because we're all going to die with a to-do list, right? Like there are still going to be things that need done. There are going to be things that are left unfinished, which is kind of morbid to think about. But I guess that's the truth. And I would rather have spent my time focusing on the big rocks, like the things that are going to make the biggest difference and allow me to live the life that I want to versus just busying myself and procrastinating by doing all these like little nitpicky things that I feel like need done. Yeah, I do think there, especially for women and, and moms, like there's this like cultural expectation that we have to be really busy or we're being like lazy not true at all. <laughs> like you really don't have to be filling your days with, like you said, a thousand little pebbles to do. Just focus on the big things that are truly making the difference and make you feel good and productive and are getting done what needs to get done. And the little things can be left to, you know, they can wait. It's okay. Nothing bad is going to happen. Which is the perfect segue into the next thing that you had on your list. Tell us about how you manage your time. Oh, I'm a big time blocker, huge time blocker. So I, I'm probably not as good about this during the weekend, but during the week when I really try to get the big things done, right. I will sit down in the morning, usually like after my, I walk the dog 
this is different from journaling. I'll sit down and go through what do I need to do today? What kind of coaching calls do I have today? Or, you know, work tasks, things like that. And I time block it out. So eight to nine, I'm going to be at the gym, you know, nine. And I'll even do like really specific, like nine to, you know, nine 30, I'll be eating breakfast. And then I'm going to get in the shower. Like I try to keep it really, like I go really narrow with it and really specific. And that helps me so much just to stay on track throughout the day and to get stuff done. And of course things come up or I didn't schedule enough time for one thing and things get pushed around and I'm flexible with it, but having just kind of a structure and a frame for somebody who like works from home, I think is, it's so helpful for me to not just like get caught up in all those tiny little tasks. Like the dishes will be fine. I'll get, I'll get to them, but this is what I need to be doing right now in this time to accomplish my goals for the day. Yes. So time blocking, I'm such a huge fan of it. I love time blocking. And for people who are not familiar with that terminology, it's really just scheduling out your time very specifically. And honestly, this is one of the things that I think we talk with our clients about ad nauseum because it's so helpful when you're thinking about, okay, but how am I going to make time for food prep? And how am I going to make time for workouts? And how am I going to make time for an earlier bedtime? Because if we just keep doing what we've always done, we're never going to find more time. We have to make time and carve out time for these things. And the easiest way to do that is to literally put it on your calendar. So my calendar contains everything. I tell my coaching clients, if you don't get a calendar invite from me, it is not happening. I live and die by this calendar and it's a freeing strategy for me. So a lot of people may say initially, oh, I don't want to be that scheduled. I don't want to be chained to my calendar. I get that. I get that. But it actually opens up more time and space for me to do things, to enjoy life, because I don't have to think about like, oh gosh, when am I going to fit that workout in? Is it going to happen today? Am I going to bump it till tomorrow? It's on my calendar. I know when it's happening. I get a 15 minute reminder. So I can quickly like go throw on a sports bra and some sneakers. I make sure just like if I were going to a dentist appointment or a doctor's appointment, the things that are important to me, even if it's just time off social media or family time, that it's scheduled in and it helps me to understand my priorities. Nothing else gets put over this time. This matters to me. It's on my calendar because it's going to help me live the life that I want. And I am going to be really intentional about blocking off this time so nothing else can take it away. Unless, of course, like you said, something urgent comes up. Of course, life happens. We have to be flexible. But the purpose of having a plan in the first place is not that it works out perfectly, but that it allows you to feel like things are happening more seamlessly. You have more space to be flexible, to be spontaneous because you have the plan in the first place. I'm glad you brought up like taking the time to have like family time too, because that was something I forgot to mention. But I do that. Like when, my kids come home from school. Like I want to not be on my phone and stressing out about, Oh, did I get this done? I need to do this right now. I try, you know, work in progress, always <laughs> not perfect at it, but I try to have my phone away so we can spend some time together, some like better quality time together. And I'm not stressing out thinking about all the things I have to do because I know I chose this time at the beginning of the day to not be worrying about all of that, to be more focused on my kids and my family like you said, to create that life that I want. I want my kids to have a, you know, a mom that's attentive to them and that gives them that quality time and attention. It's important to me. So it goes on my calendar. It doesn't mean that I'm productive every second of the day. It just means that my day is planned out in a way that 
I get done what needs to be done. And then I can relax when I want to relax without my brain keep going, going, going and spinning, spinning, spinning with all the other things I wanted to do. And maybe Lauren, this is my therapist talking through me, but maybe your day is productive most seconds of the day. It's just that how we define productivity is completely skewed. Like my therapist says, Nicole, rest is productive. And I'm like, what? No, rest makes me feel lazy. I should be doing things. So obviously you are being productive in that you're spending your time and your energy the way that you want it to be spent and the way that your family has prioritized this life you want to build for yourselves. So maybe it actually is more productive than feeling like, oh, I should be on my phone and I should be working and this needs done. And, but I also want to chill and rest with my family. Like that scatterbrained place doesn't actually allow you to be anywhere fully, right? You're never present. It's always like one foot in, one foot out. Uh, yes. When I was talking, I kind of like had that thought and then you verbalized it perfectly. It's like, well, maybe I am being productive during that time. I'm being a productive mom. Like, you know, so I'm still like hitting a goal of being the best mom I can be every day. It's just a different way of seeing it. You're right. It's certainly not me being like lazy, unproductive. It's just me focusing on something else besides getting tasks done and checking things off a list. Right. Yes, that's such a hard like difference to draw because of how the world defines productivity or how the world defines success. But I love that you specified you carve out time just to be with your kids without screens. Speaking of screens, there's another one that I really, really want us to talk about. What do you do with screen time? Oh, I set screen time limits and I have them on my phone. I have like timer apps for mostly Facebook and Instagram. Cause that's where I would spend most of my time, like mindlessly scrolling. Um, Facebook, I have a very short, I only give myself like 20 minutes a day on Facebook because it is to me the for how I use it, the definition of time wasting, <laughs> like I'm not doing anything productive there. Like it's just me scrolling. So with Instagram, it's a little bit longer, but I still like to have that time limit set so that I'm not constantly being like, well, I should check to see if this posted well. I should check to see if I have any DMs. I need to check this and this and this. It's just giving myself a nice time limit so that at the end of the day, when it grays out and it tells me, okay, you're done. Then I, and I really do stick with it. I never add extra time. I never like override that block I set for myself. I stick with it because if I'm on screens too much, I just don't feel good. I feel like brain fog and I feel like low energy and like no motivation to get up off the couch. So those screen time limits are really important to me. And we try to like model that for our kids too, um, just so that they can see like, no, 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 we don't just sit around and stare at screens all day. We get up and we do things too. And it's generally more fun to get up and do things than to stare at a screen. This is one that honestly, I would encourage everybody to do like everyone who has a phone or an iPad or a laptop or like a TV even, I would encourage you to just experiment with this. I have found this to be truly life-changing. And it actually, I just helped my mom do the same thing because she was trying to set limits on her phone and she couldn't figure out how to do it. But after 7 p.m., all of my social apps go gray, like you said. And then if you want to click on them, it's, it has this little pop-up notification. Like, are you sure? You already reached your limit for the day. And you have to intentionally be like, no, I'm not going to listen to what I told myself I was going to do when I had my best interest in mind, which is really kind of messy. I'm going to listen to that. I'm just going to do something else. So I still have certain apps like my Kindle that I can access after seven, but no time wasters. 
No, just like mindless scrolling. And after eight, another thing you can do is you can set downtime on your phone. So I don't get any texts. If you call me after eight, I don't get it. So the next day, unless they're on your emergency contact list, and then the, the call will still come through. But we are so trained, like Pavlov's dog, right? If I hear that little ding of a text, or even now, I don't even ever have the, the volume on my phone. If I hear a little vibrate, I'm like, oh gosh, something must be super important. The world must be burning down and somebody needs me which is really like just ludicrous. I'm not that important, but it keeps me constantly like checking back in with my phone. And so I never truly get to disconnect. So it sounds silly, but in our brains, we're still like five years old and we can't not eat the cookie that's placed in front of us. So like just set the parameters. So you're less likely to be distracted or tempted by little buzzing or notifications that like you'll be fine if you don't receive until the next day. This one has been truly transformative for me. Yes, I agree a thousand percent. And I've utilized it too, like in the morning and at night, like you said. So I don't sleep with my phone in my room. And then I also sometimes, if I feel like I'm getting back in the habit of going straight online, um, like you checking things, whatever, I'll put it on airplane mode when I sleep, just so that it's just another reminder, like, oh no, I put this on airplane mode because I made the promise to myself not to start checking things until, you know, eight o'clock or whatever time you want to start checking your work stuff. And at night, I also like, will I plug it in. I keep mine in the bathroom at night. So it's just in the bathroom around like seven-ish, 7.30, 8 o'clock. I keep it up there. It's out of sight, out of mind. I don't feel the need to be scrolling on the couch at night. Like I just feel so much better when I really stick to those time limits. Just overall, I sleep better. My mind is more rested. It's, it's just such a game changer. Like I just feel so much clear, much more clear-headed and just more energized and motivated to do things that I want to do. Yeah. I think this is something that we're overlooking a lot right now because our world is on screens and I get that, right? Like I'm not ancient. I understand that like screens are really helpful. They help me run my business. They help me stay in communication with family members who live at a distance. It's also how we entertain ourselves these days with things like TikTok, but we are so glued to our screens and all the research that's coming out is saying that it actually is causing us to be more depressed and more sad because we're stuck in comparison. Like we're always seeing the highlight reel of people's lives where maybe we're like bumming it on the couch, just trying to relax. And we see all these people like doing things and achieving things and celebrating their wins. And so we feel worthless. We feel like crap. So it's one of those things where I get it. Life is always on a screen right now, but is staring at that screen constantly and like refreshing that like Pavlov's dog again, right? Like, oh, there must be something new and exciting and stimulating that I'm I'm missing. Is it causing you to live your life more fully or is it prohibiting you from living your life? And I think oftentimes that's the case. Actually, Lauren, I didn't even get to tell you this. We had a client this morning and she told me, I'm actually taking a three-month hiatus from social media because I feel like it's really standing between me and my goals. Like I mindlessly scroll so often and I can acknowledge that that time could be so much better spent and I would be so much happier if I wasn't distracted by that all the time. And I was like, wow, I don't think of many people who would be willing to do that in the name of goal pursuit. I think that's amazing. My husband actually has no social media. He has, um, he was never like super into it, but he only really uses his work phone and they're not allowed to have it on their work phone and he doesn't miss it at all. And I'll show him things occasionally. And he's like, this is ridiculous. Like, why are you spending your time looking at these things? And he's right. Like, he's right. Like, sure. It's some entertainment, but 
when you take that away and you take away that time waster, it's, I can't imagine. Cause honestly, I've never done that before. I don't know if I, it would be really a huge challenge. What I did do though, like when I got a new phone recently, it came with like solitaire or something like that. And I found myself after like a week, like constantly playing solitaire and I deleted them. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like I've never in my life downloaded a solitaire app and now I'm like playing it all the time. So I just deleted those like right away because I could see it like spiraling into like the biggest time waster for me and like just more screen time. So delete those apps that you feel like are not adding value to your life for sure. And to take it one step further, this was something else you shared with me on your list, but really curating your social media feeds. So if you do decide to keep social media and maybe just put some parameters on how often you access those apps like Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, you get to control who you follow and the voices that you listen to. Tell us how that has helped you to stay on track. So one of the things I really like to do to just keep like at these like self-care habits, because sometimes they're hard, right? Is I like to look up like inspiring podcasts. I actually, I just posted this on Instagram this morning. I listened to James Clear, the author of Atomic Habits. He was on um, Brene Brown's podcast. It was like a two-part episode. And I was like, that's great. I want to listen to this. And I want to like hear what he has to say, because I think I love that book so much. And everything he says is so well, well worded and well-spoken and easy to absorb. So that to me, like just listening to those kind of podcasts, like make me feel like motivated and encouraged to continue doing what I'm doing. Jordan Syatt's another really big one. I love his podcast. I love the way he words things and helps people. It's such a realistic way to kind of an applicable way to get, take some action. And then another thing I'll do sometimes, like I can't say I do this like tons of times, but if I'm really feeling like just blah and not motivated and not feeling like doing what i what I should be doing. I go on Pinterest and I look up motivational quotes and as silly as that sounds. And I understand that just, it sounds so ridiculous. It actually really helps me. And I have like a board for them and I'll scroll through some of my favorites and it gets me going. It really does motivate me and just give me that little bit of spark so that I can get going. Cause most of the time getting started is the hardest part. Actually, on that uh, James Clear podcast, he said, it wasn't his quote, it was somebody else's. He said, the heaviest weight at the gym is the front door, meaning the hardest part is just getting started. And I think that applies to so much. So if I can just get a little motivated to get my butt off the couch and go for a walk or cook a healthy dinner or whatever it is, then once I get going, it's so much easier to keep going and kind of get that momentum going. Yes. I think that our environment is one of the biggest predictors of our success. And I'm not just talking about like the foods we keep in our kitchen, although that's applicable too, but the people we follow. Love, love, love James Clear. Follow him on Instagram because he's always posting these really inspirational quotes that are from his book, Atomic Habits. Also, Glennon Doyle, you mentioned her. She's amazing. So I love tuning into her podcast seeing her quotes come up, Brene Brown. I mean, we talk to our clients about affirmations and mantras because the stories we tell ourselves dictate how we feel. And then the actions that we act upon, the things that we actually do, our behaviors. So if the stories we're telling ourselves are really negative or comparison-based, or we're just constantly following people who are speaking untruths about nutrition and promoting things like skinny tea or waist trainers or all these things that are just so discouraging... 
it's going to discourage us on our journey. Whereas you know, at this point, I know at this point that if I surround myself with like-minded, positive people who are speaking truth and are sharing evidence-based information, I am going to be so uplifted. Even when I'm having an off day, even when I'm having a rough day, it's why we encourage our clients to reach out to us when they're struggling. Like, hey, if you're stuck in your own headspace, let's use some of mine. Like, send me a message. Let's talk about what's going on and I'll try to lift you up. I think it's so important to recognize, like, you don't have to have all the answers inside your own brain. Make sure you're curating your environment. Who are you following? Who are you listening to? Who are you subscribed to on your email list? And if something's not serving you or someone is just speaking stuff that makes you feel like garbage, unfollow, unsubscribe. You have the power to do that. And I I do think too, it takes a little bit of like honesty with ourselves because like there, there are some amazing people that I follow that I think are so rooted in like really um, like evidence-based nutrition and just like helpful, you know, things that they say, I just really find it really helpful. And then there have been a few people over the years that I follow that I'm like, I know you're just screwing with my head. (laughs) I know that what you're saying isn't right. And when I look at, you know, certain feeds, I just am either annoyed or angry that this is out there for hundreds of thousands of people to see. But then it's also like, well, then why am I looking at it if it's not making me feel good? So I click unfollow. There was one girl in particular who I had the hardest time clicking unfollow for some reason, like honestly, because she looks really amazing. But when you look at her advice, it's terrible advice. And I just had a hard time unfollowing her. And then I was just like, this is not serving me. It's not making me feel better about myself. It's not, you know, giving me any information that I need. So I need to unfollow. So really curating your feed to be a productive and helpful place and entertaining too, I think is really helpful. And I I do think, I'm so glad you brought that up because it's not as though everyone you unfollow or unsubscribe from has to be speaking garbage. I mean, trust me, there are plenty of people out there that are just promoting garbage when it comes to nutrition advice and health information. But I can think of someone in particular who I used to follow and she was very educated and everything she spoke was super researched and evidence-based. But whenever I would see her stories or see something pop up on my feed, it just made me feel really bad about myself because I would immediately compare my situation to her situation. It doesn't mean that I don't love her as a person. It doesn't mean that we couldn't even be friends if we knew each other in real life. And it doesn't mean that I can never follow her. But right now in the situation that I'm in or the situation I was in, it wasn't healthy for me to see her stuff. So I know on Facebook, you can kind of like mute someone for 30 days and you just won't see any of their content. And I don't really know if that's possible on Instagram, but you could literally just unfollow someone for a time. And then if you wanted to, you could refollow them again. So I think you're right. It does take a lot of transparency and honesty with ourselves to acknowledge like, am I following this person for helpful reasons or because I like pain shopping by comparing like my body to theirs, or I like comparing my progress to hers. I think that's such a, yeah, it's a sticky spot. It is. I'm glad. And I'm glad you said that, that it doesn't necessarily have to be that they're maybe like giving out bad information or something. It can just be for whatever reason you feel like you are comparing yourself to this person in an unhealthy way just unfollow. Like it's okay. You can always go back and refollow, but for the time being, just like take yourself, like make yourself that priority. It's, it's okay if you don't follow them and just focus on people that make you feel good. Yeah. Like we said, we spend so much time staring at that screen. We might as well be productive with it and, and leave feeling better and more uplifted. Exactly. Yes. 
What else did we miss, Lauren? What else was on your list? Um, I have a few littler things like always carrying my water bottle with me everywhere I go. That is so key for me to be drinking enough water. And then I am a huge walker and I get outside as much as possible. I think getting outside to walk, run, whatever you want to do has such an impact on our health. Like mostly that mental health. I think, I think getting some sunshine, getting some fresh air leaves you feeling refreshed and rejuvenated and more clear headed than like a walk on a treadmill would for me personally, it, it makes a big difference. So I'm in the Midwest. It's cold here right now, but I still try to bundle up unless it's like extreme weather. I'm going to be bundling up and getting outside and it's good for me to get that fresh air. It's good for the dog that I'm trying to keep alive forever and <laughs> we get outside as much as possible. I really believe in the power of fresh air and sunshine. I think so. Love keeping your water bottle close. Proximity is power. If I don't yeah. have my water bottle close, but I guess what I'm not drinking, but I think movement is so huge and not movement in terms of burning calories, exercise, workouts, completely different topic, but outside in nature, I think has its own benefit because like sunlight is so beneficial for us as human beings. But I think movement in general, and it doesn't just have to be steps. So I love taking Wesley for a walk. I'm so much more active with a dog than I was without a dog, but you can still walk yourself. Like you don't need a pet to go for a walk. But furthermore, it doesn't even have to be walking for the sake of walking. Like if you love gardening or doing some type of like lawn manicuring, if you love playing with your kids and you can go to a local park or you have a backyard where you can play, if you like to, um, gosh, it could be anything, but if you want to do something where you're moving your body without the point of it being exercise, one, your body was designed to move. So you are going to feel so much better but two, movement in that this is not meant for exercise capacity. It's also great stress management. Like going for a walk is one of the best things you can do for your mental health, not just for your physical health. In other countries, they're actually, they're having doctors prescribe physical activity for mental illnesses like depression and anxiety. And gosh, I can't wait till we get to that point. But anyone can like lace up a pair of sneakers and go, you don't need any special equipment. I believe in that like a thousand percent. I'm almost like dogmatic about it. Like just yesterday, it, we actually did have like a randomly nice day yesterday. And I'm so lucky. I live right across the street from a park. So we got the soccer ball on the soccer net, carried it across the street. And we had like a family soccer game and why the girls were like playing on the playground or whatever. And it was so fun. And then you're just like, it's so relaxing and it's so helpful for my mental health. Um, also like we are big hikers as a family. It's one of the few activities that we do with, I have three kids where everybody pretty much always has fun and gets along the whole time, <laughs> which if you have children, you understand how rare that is and how hard that can be to achieve. But we go out, we have so many different great hikes around us. The kids have so much fun. They are just kids being kids playing in the dirt, playing with sticks throwing sticks in the lake, you know, whatever it is. And they'll do that forever. And it's just so refreshing to get outside. I'm just such a believer in getting outside as much as you can. And again, real life happens. It rains, it's freezing cold, it's icy, whatever. I understand all that, but getting outside as much as you can is so, I think it'll have such an impact on your health. You won't even really realize it until you start doing it. What a huge impact it can have. So true. And I think 
outside fun movement is yes ideal but also do what you can. So I literally just had a client message me today. She's getting a new office building and this new office has desks that can be standing desks. So she asked her supervisor if she could get a treadmill for her desk. And she's so excited because she knows how different she feels when she's more active versus less. Again, not for fat loss purposes, not for like sweating for the wedding or anything crazy like that. She just wants to move her body more because she has an otherwise sedentary job and she feels better when she's moving. So I understand not everybody can like go out and play depending on where you are geographically. And I said, anyone can lace up sneakers, able-bodied individuals. I understand there are people who can't just put on a pair of sneakers and go do whatever. But for those of us who are able to move, don't discredit that. Like even the small, teeny tiny steps that you're thinking, this doesn't make much of a difference. It's such a waste of time. I could be more productive doing something else. It's extremely productive for both physical and mental health. I'm so glad you made the distinction too between um, exercise and movement because they're not the same thing. Like movement is so much more relaxed and it's it's really just done to feel good. It's absolutely, you're not trying to build muscle. You're not trying to sweat. You're not trying to burn calories. You're just moving your body in a way that feels good to you. It's a huge distinction. It's an important one. Definitely. I couldn't agree more. I think it's figuring out what you need to feel your best, which is what we do with all of our clients, right? This is not yes. a one size fits all. So once again, you don't have to do all these things, but what Lorna and I would encourage you to do is to explore a little bit and try to ask yourself, well, when do I feel my best? When am I the most energized? When am I the happiest? When am I the healthiest mentally and physically? And then is there something that you could work at doing more of or doing more consistently? We gave you, gosh, I don't even know how long this list was, Lauren, but several ideas. And I would encourage you to kind of figure out what your non-negotiables are. These are ours. Pick one, pick one from this list if you have nowhere to start or you're unsure of where to start and work on it this week and keep working on it next week and just observe passively. How does doing this thing, how does getting to bed earlier, how does moving more for the sake of moving, not for the sake of exercise, impact how I feel, impact my overall well-being, impact my life, the quality of that life. Just observe. I mean, we don't waste time doing these things for kicks and giggles, but we do them because they help us feel better. So We want to help you understand what helps you feel better and help you to prioritize those things because we understand life is super demanding and busy and stressful right now, especially, and you still matter. Your health still matters. And it doesn't have to be something extreme like going on uh, a diet or hitting the gym three times a week. That's awesome if that's where you're at. But if something like this feels more attainable and something that you can do more confidently, start here. These things make a big difference. Absolutely. And I do want to add to that. I've been kind of like prioritizing my health and, and trying to like live the best life I can for like 11 years. It was like after the birth of my oldest daughter, like 10, so 10, 10 and a half years, I didn't just like wake up one morning and start getting consistent sleep and journaling all the time and managing my time really well. Like, no, this was like a one step at a time thing. And I just, every, you know, just kind of kept checking in with myself. Okay. What can I be doing better? What would be helpful for me? How can I manage my time the best? Think all those kind of things, they happen slowly over time. I did not just wake up and start doing all of these things consistently at all. It's a work in progress. I'm still a work in progress. And I think that's that's the whole goal. It's a lifelong journey, right? So you're just 
checking in with yourself, tweaking what needs to be tweaked, keeping what's working well, and just doing the best you can every day. Oh my gosh. Everything you just said. Yes. And to just like take a thread of that, everything happens in seasons. So you've been working on this for 11 years. I've been working on my health journey for 10 years or somewhere close to that. But even when you have these habits under your belt, they don't all happen simultaneously with the same level of compliance, right? We talked earlier about how important sleep is. I'm obsessed with sleep right now. If you ask me, yes, I'm crushing eight hours almost every night. It's rare when I don't, but as soon as we get that match for adoption, I can promise you I'm not going to be getting sleep. And that doesn't mean that like my health has to go to the bottom of the list or that nothing else matters because I can't do that perfectly in conjunction with everything else. There are seasons where maybe you're struggling with an injury and you can't be physically active. Maybe you have young children at home and you're not getting any sleep. Maybe work is really crazy. You're going through a transition and that's just out of your control right now. Focus on what you can control. Focus on the low-hanging fruit and pick one thing to start with and you can build from there. Like Lauren said, we've been at this for a long time. So we don't share this with you to compare but to encourage that if you keep putting one foot in front of the other and keep focusing on the things that help you to feel better, you can live a full, healthy, vibrant life without feeling like you need to be dieting 24-7 or without crushing yourself at the gym all the time. Absolutely. I love it. This was a great conversation. This was so fun. Thanks for coming yeah. up with this hot topic, Lauren. I love it. <laughs> I loved it too. If you are listening and you have a topic for the show, Lauren and I are always trying to bounce ideas back and forth about what our clients are asking us and how we can be the most helpful for you. So please send us a DM, shoot Lauren a DM, shoot me a DM. Let us know if you'd love to hear something on the podcast specifically, a topic you'd love to learn more about, something that you're struggling with. We are here to help you. And we want to make sure that the language we're speaking is the language that you want to hear. Absolutely. All right, squad, catch you on the flip side. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom Podcast. If you like what you heard today, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe, and then head on over to nutritioncoachingwithnicole.com where you can sign up for my weekly emails where I send out my favorite tips, tricks, advice, and support every single Monday morning to help you kick your week off right. Thanks for listening. Until next time.